Welcome to Restoration. My name is Ryan. Um, I haven't been up here in a bit, so I'm excited to share a few things with you today. Uh, here's, here's the deal. We're going to do that. Yeah, we're going to do that towards the end. Is that okay? I, sorry. This, yeah, thank you. Thanks for reminding me, though. Yes, yeah, we're going to do it at the end. Um, let's see here. What do we got to do? What do we got to cover? What do we got to talk about? Just so you know, this is, uh, we're doing a cookout outside, if you didn't notice that. And if you're new, we would love for you to stick around and have a cookout with us. We are going to spend just a few minutes right here. Um, we have all our kids with us. Parents, you're going for it. I'm proud of you for being here. This is a fifth Sunday, so on the calendar, what we like to do is give our whole children's team, including Katie Nyman right there, a break. Yes. Um, <laughs> so um, if you are involved in our children's ministry, we're giving you a break, Katie a break. Uh, what a great team we have downstairs. And uh, they do a ton for the kids, and we have a ton of kids. So we're going to have a lot of fun today at the cookout. I just wanted to share and begin by saying that um, typically what happens on Sunday morning in regards to a teaching, um, if you've been around here for a while, you know that we do it, uh, we mix it up. Sometimes, you were like right in my ear, right here. <laughs> Sometimes, listen, I'm going to just move this over here. I'm going to be like, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we go through a letter of scripture or a gospel or a book of the Bible. Sometimes we go through a practice, a spiritual practice, whether it's reading scripture or generosity or what have you. Sometimes we take a theme and this summer, we've been in a theme, and the theme is called A Summer of Walking. And part of that, that idea is that the theme of walking is all throughout Scripture. It is connected to themes of wandering and faith and exile and the wilderness. Sometimes it's connected to things like solitude and prayer and some different life circumstances. But the plan has been all along to let these, this theme kind of help us and guide us in reflecting on our own lives. And I, the feedback we've been receiving from many of you is this has been really helpful to help you chart your life, your journey, the things that you've walked through in life. And that's really been our goal is to, to just leave space for that. The earliest Christians were known as people of the way, not people of the we've got it figured out. They were known as people who were on a journey, who were walking, who were figuring out what it looked like to follow Jesus in their lives and at that time. Uh, Barry Harvey, I, 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 showed, I showed this quote back early on in the teachings, but he says this, it seems clear that the Bible provides nothing like a map that charts the precise path for us to follow into the future. What it does is give us a travel itinerary of God's people. That is the story of their pilgrimage as strangers and foreigners through this world towards the kingdom of God. 
So where are we headed the next two weeks? We've got two more weeks after this. We're going to be talking about exile as a theme in Scripture. And then we're actually going to be talking about where we're going as followers of Jesus. And that's going to be kind of like a, a hinge to the next series we're going to do. And so it's going to be kind of a bridge conversation. But for today, this is going to be really brief, okay, kids? So hang in, when, hang in there. Jesus walked around a lot. <laughs> Swatted flies, I'm sure he did. Uh, he walked around a lot. He walked through the city. He walked in Jerusalem. He walked kind of some dusty back roads. Um, he walked main streets. He walked with his disciples. He walked around the city where he would be crucified, and then he walked again the same city where he was crucified. And after his resurrection, Jesus actually did some pretty incredible things. He actually went and walked into the lives of his disciples, all of which who abandoned him. He, he walked in, back into the life of a disciple who, who denied him. He went to the disciple who doubted him. And here's the thing. I bet Jesus would have gone to Judas as well. I bet he would have. But I think that there's something that we can learn about Jesus. He modeled this idea of going back through painful places. And, and I think that this is a beautiful thing for us to, to be modeled into. Many times my work with uh, law enforcement is, is, is when I'm with some law enforcement, sometimes we actually revisit painful places, painful things that they've been a part of. Um, and in fact, it just happened this last Thursday. And one of the things that happens in these conversations is there's sometimes emotion and sometimes difficulty, but it always ends up being a step towards healing. Why would Jesus, after his resurrection, use that time to revisit hard things? Because I think it was part of not only uh, like his journey, but it's also part of the healing of his disciples to model that. Now, here's the thing. Where we're going today is I've been reflecting on a quote by a guy named Karl Barth. And he's a famous theologian uh, during his, his life spanned over World War II. Um, and he wrote this really big volume nerdy thing called Church Dogmatics, which I don't recommend. It's not like a great, it's not, I don't even think it's on Audible. Um, I mean, it's good, but it's not like thrilling. But he pointed out something in Church Dogmatics that I have been chewing on for the last number of months. He, he, he mentioned that Jesus both walks through walls and he stands at the door and knocks. He has these two kind of ways of being for us. And Karl Barth was caught up with this paradox that Jesus asks us to invite him in and at the same time, he has the power to just come in. <laughs> and it's just kind of a wild thing to think about. 
And here's this quote from Church Dogmatics. He says this, It is quite true that a person must open the door to Jesus. Another thing also remains unreservedly true, that the risen Christ passes through closed doors. And this has been my experience. And maybe it's been your experience too. That both of these things are true, that we have, as human beings, God has given us this free will and this agency to resist him, and at the same time, he's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to do what he's going to do in our lives. And so, two things we're going to talk about today. The first one is, sometimes Jesus waits for us. And this comes out of the book of Revelation, It's a letter, uh, chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. I'm going to read this for you. It says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, quick note on this. We are going to dive into this passage in a very specific, real way um, when we jump into this letter this fall. And this will be somewhere around early October. We'll get to this point. But there's a context here, and I want to be really clear on the context because I'm going to kind of use the context. (laughs) This is a metaphor of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And it's a metaphor of Jesus standing outside a specific church, the church of the Laodiceans, and he's standing outside their church and he's knocking. And the idea behind this letter is to them is that they live as if they do not need Jesus. They live as if he is not welcome and they are operating as a church in this way. And what he's saying is, I'm standing outside your church, and you are completely missing me. And we're going to get into that. But I also think, uh, so this was kind of corporately to a church, but I also think it kind of fits metaphorically for us as personal, as a human being. That there are places in our lives that are really prideful, and there's places in our lives that we're really capable, and we are resisting the, the input of our Savior Jesus on. Um, There are hidden places in our lives, whether they be addictions or secret misplaced desires. There's, There's broken places in our lives, whether there's pain or hurt or regret or shame or even trauma. And then there's like, unseen places in our lives that we just don't know we're there. And, and, And there's a sense in which I think Jesus is going, I want in to that. I want to be allowed into that, but you have to open the door. You have to do the work of letting me in. Because here's the thing, I think there are places in our lives that Jesus wants to walk into to confront, to expose, but really ultimately to heal and to redeem. And I think that this is really important for us to sit with. But there's some action, like I said, there's some kind of surrender on our part that opens up that connection. And in context, 
uh, it's about repentance. It's about this church saying, okay, we're going to turn and go a different direction and we want you to be a part of it. And so for some of us, that also might be the case. There might be some repentance involved in this of there's a, there's a better way forward, there's a better way of life that Jesus has on offer, and I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn, that's what repentance is, I'm going to turn and follow that. For some of us, it's actually potentially having the kind of space in our lives that allows some of those things to come to the surface. And this has been a little bit of the theme the last few weeks about walking a three-mile-an-hour life. And, and I would say, actually, there are practices like solitude that allow those things to come up in our lives that we can then offer them and open up those places for Jesus to step in and heal. And I think genuinely, yeah, I agree. And I think genuinely, that's a beautiful thing. And it's a very difficult thing. Church, I've been trying to figure out how to do solitude in my life. Anybody ever tried that? It, it sounds great. It's really hard. Because what ends up happening is all of our resentments, fears, angers, all of our, our, our stuff starts to bubble up to the surface. And it doesn't feel very peaceful. But it's actually in doing that, allowing those things to come to the surface that Jesus can step into them. But you and I live in a culture where we're continually pushing those down. We're escaping, we're numbing, we're staying really busy. Guys, listen, we talked about the three-mile-an-hour life all throughout this series. This last week for me was like 80 miles an hour. And (laughs) it was exhausting. I didn't show up well for everybody. Um... And I realized that it was like five out of the six nights were something. And some of you were with me as we painted. (laughs) But I'm craving that just slow down pace where I can let Jesus into some things. And then the third way I I feel like this is really helpful for us is with a trusted guide. Whether that be a therapist or a coach or a friend or or something that people that can help us like draw out some of those things in our lives that need to get addressed. Because here's where it gets to. You and I are being saved from who we are not. More fully into who we are. Yes, we, you may have experienced a moment in your life where you surrendered your life to Jesus. But you're not done surrendering your life to Jesus. And here's the second one. So sometimes Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And sometimes Jesus just barges in. And this kind of comes from the uh, conversation that happened Um, with Jesus and his disciples after the resurrection. It goes like this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, 
Uh, some people have, skept- uh, have, have, have kind of thought that Jesus just kind of blew through walls and doors and things like that. I don't know. Um, all of a sudden, it just says all of a sudden he was there. All of a sudden he was among them. And they were fearful. They were afraid. I mean, imagine your life after Jesus died, as you were a disciple of Jesus, his body's gone, and the Jewish leaders are losing their minds. And there's people running everywhere trying to figure out what's going on, and they are afraid. And then Jesus stands among them, and he offers them what? He offers them peace. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced a moment when all of a sudden you were overcome by the peace of Jesus. But it's a transformational moment. And it could be in the midst of deep pain and deep loss and grief. And it just so happens that I believe that Jesus ends up finding us in the most difficult places. Places where we're hiding, places where we're in fear. So Jesus walks through walls, and sometimes Jesus just stands and knocks. And so I wonder how this might be hitting you and stirring in you today. I don't know. I'm not you. Where have you experienced this? Maybe where do you need to experience Jesus standing? Is Jesus outside something in your life standing at the door knocking? Or or maybe you're feeling like you're in a place of fear and grief and loss and pain and you are just desperately seeking Jesus' peace. Now I'm just going to close by saying this. Jesus did not come up with this idea of discipleship. He didn't come up with a scheme of discipleship. He actually borrowed from the Jewish tradition and he co-opted some of the language and the forms of how to do this and he just invited people to follow him. And it's a walking metaphor. The idea behind first century Jewish discipleship is that you were invited to follow a, 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 a rabbi, and everywhere you would go, you would do exactly what your rabbi did. You would walk where your rabbi went, you would eat like your rabbi ate, you would talk the way your rabbi talked, and that your proximity to your rabbi on the journey would be such that you would have the dust of the rabbi's feet kicked up on your clothing. And that you would, he was walking in front of you. And it would be all over your clothes. And you would be known as a dusty one. We got some restless dusty ones. So my prayer for us today, that we would really, truly see that in our lives. That our proximity to Jesus would be such that we would have the dust of our rabbi on us. I'm going to pray. God, we're grateful for a lively room. (laughs) But we're more grateful when you 
when you show up in our lives in ways that are healing and life-changing and life-transforming. God, for some of us in this place, we're just wrestling with some places in our lives where you have been knocking on the door for years. Whether it be some issue in our past or some habit or way of life in our present that is causing us to miss out on full of flourishing life. And you want into that. And God, I pray that this would be a, a moment maybe of courageous stepping out in faith and that, that there would be people in this room that would seek help, seek friendship, seek mentorship, seek a community to help them walk and let you in to those places. And God, I also recognize that this is, um, for many of us, we just need you in to show up in our, in our world, in our lives. We need your peace. And so, God, we're desperate for that. Show us how to have the dust all over us as we follow you. Amen.